There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to Christian thinking on climate change. Undoubtedly, there are a variety of perspectives within the Christian church around what's happening to our climate, from the doomsday alarmists through to those who think it's all a hoax. You might anticipate that there are extremes, but a majority falls somewhere in between. And there are some who are getting on with life and not even aware that there is a problem. David Robertson, Director of the Ask Project with Sydney Anglicans, back with us once again. Hey, David, welcome back to 2020. I, I'm glad to be back uh, to 2020 in 2023. And uh, I'm uh, heading off to Scotland. And Scotland, unfortunately, I think, is missing out on the heat that the rest of Europe is getting. But I suspect that's what we're going to talk about. We'll just touch on this for a moment because the reports that are coming out of Europe is that they're having such incredibly hot weather. Uh, it makes us in Australia, who we use, we like to pride ourselves in the ability to withstand a 46 or 48 degree day. Well, they're having even hotter temperatures than that, or at least that's what's being reported. Uh, it must be it must be like being in a furnace if you're in Europe right now because Europeans are not used to this sort of hot temperatures, are they? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have, you have to be really, really careful with how this is reported. So, uh, I mean, I've been in Parramatta when it was 45 degrees, you know, and that was that was uh, that was interesting for a Scotsman. It was like walking out of the shop into an oven. Um, and so it is pretty dreadful. Uh, the vast majority of Europe, of course, is not 45 degrees. Uh, the, the, in the Mediterranean, it's it's the early 40s. That has happened before. I remember being in Greece on holiday when it was 45 degrees. Um, And it's interesting how it's reported. I think there's a catastrophism that people keep putting forward. And I've been looking a lot at this. So the BBC, for example, changed their weather maps so that when a temperature reached into the late 20s, which is kind of normal here, um, the, the, the graph all went red. So you can imagine by the time it gets to 40, it's like you know, and you see these pictures and it looks like like hell. And I'm using that word advisedly because the heat wave in Europe just now is unofficially named Sybaris, which, as your listeners will all know, is the multi-headed dog that guards the gate of Hades. Um, but it's that's been replaced by Sharon, the man who ferries the dead there. So this is people saying we're all going to hell. We're, we're all going to burn. We're all going to die. The, the, the seas are boiling. Now, the sea temperatures are quite high, um, about 26 degrees. But the last time I looked, the boiling uh, thing, somebody said they're literally boiling. Well, to be literally boiled, water has to be 100 degrees centigrade, not 26 degrees centigrade. So I think there is an element of uh, seeking to terrify people. I think it's a serious thing. I think if you're in 
40 degree heat for a consistent period of time, then yeah, uh, it's it, it, it's it's not pleasant. But there are lots of questions involved with this, not only the reporting of it, but also what it means, where it comes from and how we deal with it. And from a Christian perspective, uh, what's the Lord saying to us through it? We'll get to that. Uh, in fact, sometimes I've sat in front of the television and I've been a critic and saying that when those sorts of, you know, severe weather events are leading the news bulletin, uh, it's a little bit like uh, the way that journalism is promoted today. It's almost like a race for the bottom because the weather used to be the sort of thing that you'd report at the end of a bulletin, even if it was severe, now it's gone to the top of the bulletin and it's sort of lowered the standards of journalism. That's my own personal perspective on there. But when there's this fear narrative, every time there's an extreme weather event, someone says climate change is the reason for this. And uh, we tend to go along with that idea. What are your thoughts here? Well, even the BBC said climate change was part of it. Because any serious journalist knows that that's not uh, the whole story. This is all to do with currents and, uh, and you know, there being low pressure and, and all the rest of it. And I think that the idea that this is all man-made climate change is highly, highly, highly speculative. Now, I, I'm not one of those people who say it has nothing to do with uh, man-made climate change. I do think it has part to do with it. My bigger interest is to say how we alleviate this. Um, I think it was the UN climate panel that, who said that for most economic sectors, the impact of climate change would be small compared to other things such as population, age, uh, war even, lifestyle, and so on. And I think we have to learn to cope with this. But the notion, so I noticed um, about a week or so ago, I read a report, someone saying, we've got 50 years to save humanity. And then about a few days ago, someone else saying 30 days, and then yesterday it was 12 days, and today uh, someone has seriously come on and said, we have less than five years before we're all dead. You know, I mean, I'm going, oh my goodness, you're so hopeless. You know, that it used to be you'd get some Christians standing at the, you know, at the edge of the street shouting out, you know, outside Sydney Cathedral or something, the end of the world is nigh, we're all going to die. And now it's, you know, the just stop oil people, we're all going to die, we have to stop doing everything. Here's the thing, Neil, if we stopped, Bjorn Longberg has pointed this out, if we stopped doing everything that we're doing, if we got to the to this zero emissions, it would only affect the climate over the next 80 years by 0 0.4 degrees centigrade. In other words, it makes almost no difference whatsoever. And I think the other thing that bothers me about it is that this, ex this extreme catastrophism will result in governments and corporations and others saying, oh, we need to have emergency measures all the time. And that's a means of control. And it will be a means of, uh, I think, taxing people. And I think ultimately it will, and this is my biggest concern, it will be a means to harm the poor. Control, coercion, taxing people, harm the poor, the likely outcomes of where we're headed in the climate debate. Now, you say, David, let me quote you here, the vast majority of people believe in the climate change narrative because they're told that the vast majority of people believe in the climate change narrative. And the debate yeah. is over. 
that's an yeah. interesting perspective. So let's move past the thoughts around whether you believe this or that to where we might go as Christian believers, uh, understanding what the Bible says. And as you said, um, even being flexible and being able to adapt into things that may be changing. What are your thoughts here about where Christians go from here in their thinking, even though they're exposed to all of this alarmism? Yeah. So the first thing is, is the Lord sovereign or not? And is God in charge of the climate or not? And my answer to both those things is absolutely yes. And yes, he is in charge of the climate. Does that mean that human beings don't have any responsibility? Yes, we do. But we cannot control the climate any more than we can control uh, the world spinning on its axis. Do you know, we could have a couple of sunspots which would change the climate. We could have a meteor hit us which would change the climate. There was a volcanic eruption in Iceland a week ago. I don't know what's happened to it. But a big volcanic eruption would absolutely change the climate. And what we as human beings have to do, and we as Christians, we have to realize ultimately it's all in God's control. I was reading Jeremiah chapter 14 this morning, and it talks, you know, the ground is cracked because there's no rain in the land. The farmers are dismayed and covered their heads. Wild donkeys stand on the barren heights and pant like jackals. Their eyes fail for lack of food. You know, and then right at the end, Jeremiah says this, do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, Lord, our God. Therefore, our hope is in you, for you are the one who does all this. That is where my hope is. Now, this may be, people may regard this as superstitious nonsense, but I was in St. Thomas's Church in North Sydney uh, when we had uh, a long period of drought here and there was great concern. We were told we're not going to see water, significant rain in New South Wales for the next four years. We were actually told that. And... I remember being at a prayer meeting where we were praying about the drought. And I think the, the big dam here was at 40% and dropping lower and everyone was very concerned. And as we walked out of that prayer meeting, I looked up at the sky and there were a few drops of rain. Well, I felt like for the next two years, it never stopped raining. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was like Scottish conditions, you know. And I thought, do you know this? We need to recognize that we have a responsibility but we're not in charge. That, for me, is absolute key, and uh, I trust the Lord. I really do. So when we say and come to a point, perhaps personally, we say, okay, now I understand. God is in charge. He's the one who's going to determine the weather, the climate. But we're also then putting ourselves into the picture when we say we are stewards of God's creation yeah. and we put ourselves back into it and so we are then in some sense taking sides because we could be the head in the sand and say we'll just leave it all up to God that's that's okay is there something here where we can define what that stewardship looks like if you can't control the weather and the climate where does the stewardship fit well I'll tell you I know what it looks like um, I try to practice it I cycle to work you know, which is across the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which has taken my life. It's great for my prayer life because it's taken my life in my hands every time. <laughs> um, but but I, I and, and I cycle to work for two reasons. One is from my own physical health point of view. But the other is I don't want to I don't feel it's necessary for me to, to contribute to traffic pollution. I think we look after nature. We, we People have gardens or you have good farming practices. You make sure there's irrigation and so on. 
but it's a holistic approach. We look after the poor. You do not say to people, oh, okay, like in the Netherlands, uh, we're going to get rid of a third of farmland. And because of that, lots of poorer people in the rest of the world are going to starve. But don't worry, we're saving the planet. That's not what we do. We need to alleviate poverty. We need to help the poor. We need to provide sufficient energy and resources. And yes, if the climate is changing, then we need to do what we can to alleviate the consequences of that. So, for example, I'm sorry, I wouldn't want to live in Australia without decent air conditioning. But if people say you've got to cut off your air conditioning to save the planet. No, that, sorry, that's not how this works. You know, and I, I, I'm very, very skeptical about governments and corporations using this to control people. And you and I have spoken about this before. The nudge theory that they use, they nudge people through fear, put up graphics of a world that's burning and say, uh, it, it, you know, if you fly. I mean, it's just bizarre. And the hypocrisy that comes in, in this. There was a, a little incident in the United Kingdom where the former chancellor, George Osborne, uh, a Just Stop Oil activist went and threw um, orange confetti over him at his wedding. It was, you know, as a protest. It was a bit of a cheap and nasty act. But the irony was that same activist had just come back from a holiday in Thailand. Now, they didn't swim there. You know, <laughs> you, you, you get all of this type of hypocrisy, which I find really, really bad. But I also think that Christians do need to be concerned for the environment. We need to be environmentalists. But we need to avoid the panic and the scaremongering and the fear. And our hope still is ultimately in the Lord. Because if it wasn't, Neil, I'll tell you what, I would, I, I, by now I would have got off Twitter. Maybe I should get off Twitter anyway. You know, but I, I would have got off because honestly, there are all these intelligent people coming on and saying, we're doomed, we're doomed, we're all doomed. The seas are literally boiling. And I'm going, no, they're not. You know, so yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. No, no, those are good questions. I mean, th- these are, I'm smiling a bit and joking a bit. These are really serious issues. But Christians, my message to Christians would be do not panic and do not be complacent. Some might say, is the debate over? You know, you've heard that terminology. The science is in. And uh, some of this doomsday prophecy comes because someone is so convinced by the science that the end of the world is nigh. For the Christian believer, your confidence is in God. You say, he's the creator, he's the one in control of the weather. My response is going to be being adaptive, uh, caring for the poor in all of that, which might mean resisting these huge, big expenditures that are going to increase taxation on the poor. But when the science is in, uh, the debate is over. Ought we be keeping an open mind to things that are developing? Yeah, look. When anyone uses the phrase the science, they're not speaking the truth. There is no such thing as the science. There is science. So, for example, um, and, you know, you can go conspiracy theories. You can do all kinds of stuff. Forget all of that. I'm looking at historical data and I'm sitting at a screen in front of me right now. And in the 1930s, uh, there were numerous states in the United States that regularly saw temperatures of over 36 degrees and indeed into the 40s. Uh, and in Illinois, for example, was over 45 degrees and people were reported to be dying from the heat in Detroit at the rate of one in every 10 minutes. That was the 1930s. I think that weather is cyclical in different ways. There is evidence of human uh, contribution towards a warming planet. 
But the question scientifically is how much? And the question is what can be done about it? If we, we all put up windmills in our gardens right now, if Australia went completely away from coal or gas or whatever, it would not make one iota of difference to the climate in the next hundred years. And we politicians need to stop pretending that it will. Now, does that mean we should continue to burn coal? No, I don't think it does. But it means that we need to be much more realistic and honest about things. And the trouble is, if you cry wolf all the time, one day when the wolf is really at the door, people won't believe you. And that may be the case uh, with some climate alarmists uh, who push things too far. And uh, we might glean a little wisdom from uh, that cry wolf story. David Robertson is director of the Ask Project with Sydney Anglicans. And you can connect with David on the website askask.org.au and uh, there's all sorts of questions that you can glean from articles that are written there. Uh, David also writes for newspapers and magazines. He's the author of a number of books including The Dawkins Letters and Engaging with Atheists. His latest book is called Seek. So you can connect with David at ask.org.au. David Robertson, thanks so much for giving us your insights around climate change today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Bye. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 